Welcome to Pod Space Nine, the last stop for trash in the Alpha Quadrant. This is a rewatch podcast for Star Trek Deep Space Nine featuring, in this case, three veteran viewers and one newbie. My name is Justin and I'll be your waiting commander. Joining me is my science officer, Anna, replicator barista technician, Evan, and our acting ends in Jude. Jude, Anna, Evan, how you doing? Caffeinated. Doing well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got some fresh ink today, so that's exciting. Yes, it's very impressive. Had had like an undercut and it's like going up like did, above did, the hairline. It's very cool. I'm continually impressed by your your pain threshold because I looked at that <laughs> and my first reaction was, ouch. And you're like, no, it's fine. There's no big bones there. <laughs> Just like. Well, see, well, I said long bones. See, see, it'll bother me. It, like. The bones will bother me on like the arm because I'll feel like the whole arm vibrate. Mm. Um, but like, yeah, you know, th- there's nothing vibrating there. It's just you know pain. Just your, uh, just your skull. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, pain I could I could deal with vibrations. <laughs> vibrating bones, yeah. For the record, today today was one of the times where I was just like, ooh ooh no ooh ah. Um, but so the, the, it was not on the back of the neck. It was the section, like the, the f- kind of fleshy area, like underneath the ribs on like either side and there, like by the butt, where it's like, I've got enough of a like tickle reflex there that I wasn't able to relax into it and was just like, just fighting the like tickle jump every time. And it was, that was suffering yeah. that, that was suffering. Not unlike getting a shot, the the more you flex up, the less comfortable it is. <laughs> yeah. Damn. And here I was always trying to impress my fun botanist. Just, you know, <laughs> flexing all the time. Oh, yeah, I'm going to good blood. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, and because I, I sort of work this way in, we have a guest tonight. Evan, welcome Hi. to the show. Hi, I'm not normally here. I know that everyone's just thinking that I've been sitting here in the background every single episode up till now and just hadn't spoken up because I'm weirdly shy for some reason. But uh, no, <laughs> the guest's weird. All right. Uh, so Evan, tell us, uh, for, for our listeners here who might not have the crossover from when you guested on Complete Discography like two years ago, who are you? Uh, hi, yeah, uh, I'm Evan Saft, uh, I'm many things, uh, and many of those things are on hiatus because my brain broke from pandemic, but, uh, I'm a podcaster, I'm a game designer, um, and I watch a lot of sci-fi and fantasy genre stuff, um, yeah. Well, those are all the qualifications to be a guest on this podcast. So welcome. Honestly, yeah. that's one or two more things than you need to be on this podcast. <laughs> We've got pretty low standards. So yeah, we, we, we thanks. Makes it feel real good. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, the only thing you need to guest on this podcast is just like have a working hey, did you bike. watch that episode of Star Trek? Have a have like be able to watch a couple episodes of Star Trek and have a working microphone and like, I don't know, DM me. I mean, they got me. Oh, no, careful. You let have been yourself off, Justin. That's uh Listen, listen. I, I know enough of our I know enough of our listenership. They're they're about as they're about as awkward queers as I am, so they're not gonna DM me. <laughs> uh they got me on this thing without having seen more than six episodes of DS9 in total. I mean, that's our whole mm. shtick at this point. So Yeah. Uh 
Yeah, that's kind of our deal now. So, Evan, how did you get into Star Trek? So, probably, like, probably the same way that a lot of people around my age did, um, which is TNG in syndication. Um, I could not, for the life of you, uh, for the life of me even, tell you, like, what channel it was on. It might have been Spike. That was what it was when I was in high school, is that? But yeah, it would because it, it would be and and frequently it was here's an episode of TNG and then here's an episode of DS9 immediately after that, um, which to be fair, I normally they don't watch the DS9 episode, <laughs> but you know, you know, that's that's where I got into it. And then, you know, uh, I, I, I don't think I can consider myself a Trekkie because I am not nearly compulsive enough about star trek <laughs> like i like i still haven't watched picard i still haven't watched uh brave new world or whatever i watched lower decks that was fun honestly lower, lower decks is great lower decks is i i think is we're is is going we're going to look back on lower decks and i think it is going to be the best it, i think it is the best series out of the new crop you should check out the the comic. They uh they bring Dracula to life on the holodeck. I haven't I haven't read that one yet, but I love everything that they're doing in the Star Trek comics right now. They're <laughs> like the folk, I like the person who's like overseeing the line, like the, the property over at IDW right now, ran the Star Wars uh line for a couple of years over at Marvel when it was really good, and. Yeah, if it's a person who, if I've got it right, it's like person who's doing it is like a really good hand in it. Um, oh, very cool. Out of like everything, where would you put DS9 in your like constellation of Trek? My constellation, like, 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 but, like, but, we're, we're, like, yeah, I mean, like that's just, a, it's just a weird rating system. Yeah, I don't like, know. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I guess I put it like Venus and that. Like, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, but I wouldn't want to live there. I don't think I don't believe in vertical hierarchies. um i mean what i'll say is like i like a lot of the characters from it um particularly what you know like who doesn't love quark uh who like you know uh great seeing the returning phases from tng and getting a little bit more play um you know we haven't gotten to the point that Worf is back yet but soon but soon and he will even go on vacation he will go on vacation. Because who doesn't want to go to Riza? Worf. 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 That's <laughs> well, Worf is such a... That's one of the few things I do know about this show is that Worf shows up at some point in the future. I know very little about DS9, but I know Worf shows up. And I love that fact. I have no idea why they picked Worf of all fucking people other than the fact that Michael Dorn <laughs> is like a dedicated like trek reappear he's a fan favorite yeah he's yeah. like fan favorite more. but like of all the people on the enterprise to show up at like the horniest most like <laughs> ramshackle place in it's, the federation it it's is the space not... strip mall it's the space strip mall that's what it yeah, is this is why it's a, a funny this is why it's funny dude because it goes it, like you'll we'll see you when we get there but it goes precisely how you how you'd expect yeah but they can't have intended that like i mean i hope they did but god it's just very good 
All right. Um, tonight we are here for, I think, we we have two episodes that are an entry into the greatest subgenre of Star Trek: East Space Nine. It is not Ferengi escapades. It is not um, deep Queer philosoph- Dak shit. It is not deep philosophical questions about the ends justifying the means and political intrigue. No, we are here to watch Miles O'Brien have a really bad day. <laughs> boy, howdy. Oh, boy. Two episodes in a row, no, too. Like half, yeah. half and half. Yeah. We'll get to it. I've yeah. got the first one. Uh, episode 13, Armageddon Game, written by Morgan Gendel, directed by Winrich Kolb, or Winrich Kolb? That sounds very German to me. Yeah, that sounds very German. Uh, what's everyone's favorite subject for a cold open? How about war crimes? <laughs> we have biological weapons. Sound the air horn, Zathras. Yeah, that's the war. That's the war. The war crimes air horn. Uh, Bashir so and O'Brien. Long. It's been so long. It has been. <laughs> uh, Bashir and O'Brien. Cisco clearly has been paying attention and is feeling puckish. Uh, has assigned the two of them to assist in the Star Trek standard two cultures that look exactly the same except for their hairdos but are still at war for generations scenario. This time, it's the Kelleran and the Talani. They've crafted some kind of bananas bioweapon that's so persistent, Bashir has been throwing his brilliant little brain at it for a week to no avail. When he finally stops monologuing like a Bond villain, thanks to (laughs) O'Brien's exhausted prompting, he tries his latest experiment and whammo, red ooze is now green ooze. This is, I fucking kid you not, the same plot as the beginning of a Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, anyway, boss man McTopnot, uh, who I eventually un- untangle is the uh, ambassador of the Kelleran, praises the Federation for its assistance, including O'Brien's purging of all records of how the weapons were made. But it says it won't be over until every canister is destroyed as we pan over to a whole wall of the things. I'm sure none will go missing. This was See, my it's note funny at- because you say that and it's like, yeah, no, these actually don't. Uh, yeah, well, that was my suspicion yeah. because I was leaning into the Ninja Turtles plot at the beginning. I thought somebody had watched Ninja <laughs> Turtles Secret of the Ooze and that was where we were going. But nope. Uh Meanwhile, Cisco gets a call from the Trouble Twins and O'Brien is ready to come home. Every episode, I grow more and more empathetic with Miles O'Brien. Uh, but Bashir yeah. wants to stick around for the party. Miles says it won't kill him, which I feel like is a bit of a jinx, Miles. Maybe don't As say that in a room full of bioweapons. What do yeah, I know? B- Bashir, Bashir is not genre aware. Well, it's Miles Bashir's that says aware it. of something else entirely. It's Miles that yeah. says it. And I feel like after this stretch of episodes, maybe he'll be more aware yeah he won't but he should be um (laughs) sure enough just as the last of the weapons is being destroyed a pair of kelleran bust in and kill everyone but bashir and o'brien in the firefight the two overpower their assailants but not before a drop of the pink slime lands on o'brien when the muon chamber is blown up unable to beam to the ganges they beam down to the surface then blow up the transporter the ambassadors show up at the station to talk to Cisco, and, Kel- and the Kelleran feeds them uh, a cock and bull story about O'Brien fucking up and radiating, every- radiating everyone out of existence by accident. Down on the planet, O'Brien is, uh, is in full 
uh, PTSD war flashback mode, warning Bashir about booby-trapped rations and advising that they hunker down and hope Cisco figures out that they are missing, not realizing that the Kelleran ambassador has told him that they are dead. He finds a busted comm system and settles into work. So far, neither of them have realized that he's been gooped. Neither have they realized that Cisco isn't looking for them, as the ambassador has given Cisco a video, apparently doctored, of them getting vaporized by that security system. He tells the ops staff to get ready for a service, and we get a very sad scene of Cisco going to the O'Brien's quarter to tell Keiko that her husband is dead. Uh, in a genuinely somber scene that shows Keiko's been kind of waiting for this visit for a long time. Uh, back on the planet, Bashir once again puts his foot in his mouth as he and O'Brien talk about marriage and Starfleet, and he just sort of casually says he thinks it's a dumb idea for any officer in Starfleet. He notices, while maligning O'Brien's marriage, that Miles is shivering and cold, and they finally cotton on to the fact that he is infected with the bioweapon. O'Brien is increasingly not looking good, and ends up having to talk Bashir through repairing the comm system. They get it fixed enough to start sending a distress signal. Eventually, it's Keiko who ends up with the something is fishy plot hook. She notices in the clip that Miles is drinking coffee at three in the afternoon, something she says he never does, and goes right to Cisco, prompting him and Dax to head out for Talani 3 right away, where O'Brien is getting worse. So Bashir talks to him about his foot fetish to keep him awake so he doesn't die. Honestly, honestly. <laughs> That is a moment where I say, just take, just kill me. Just put the phaser in there. Show me the lie. This is the, this is the plot of the episode. You're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. The sheer sense he loves women, a woman's foot, feet. Yep. Verbatim. Yes. Well, he says he, he thought her feet were very graceful. And he said he appreciated yes. the art. He was very specific. Uh... Bashir gets the comm array going just as Cisco and Dax get to the planet. O'Brien is getting worse, but takes the time to wax poetic about his marriage. Dax discovers that the Ganges transport log has been tampered with after the so-called accident. Down on the planet, the ambassadors of not just the Kelleran, but the Talani as well show up in response to the repaired comm array's distress signal, and it turns out that they were in it together. They want to kill anyone who might conceivably recreate the weapons, including the people who destroyed them. The idea is so fucking stupid, I can't even. I We'll get to this in the notes, but I'm going to put a pin in it. Um, anyway, before they can finish the job via firing squad, O'Brien and Bashir are transported away up to the shuttle. Uh, the ambassadors threaten to destroy the runabout to get Bashir and O'Brien, but it turns out they've been faked out and they're on the other runabout. The Ganges gets blown up and the, Fe the Federation folks get back to DS9. We close on a nice scene of Miles and Keiko chatting about the fact that he does in fact drink coffee after 3 p.m. And Miles laments <laughs> that the true suffering was the friend he made along the way. And that's it. There are no consequences for these two fuck off alien species who have just committed war crimes against the Federation. I mean, to be, to be fair, 
Like, Cisco does tell them that this will be an act of war. So, suddenly he calls it in. Yeah. I, He's like, yo. Yeah. We don't ever, we, yeah. it's, it is not DS9's job to, like, follow up on that. It is, their job is to, like, toss up the chain of command and said, say, yeah, send a galaxy-class starship to deal with this shit. Send the, send the Enterprise yeah. to there. Yeah. I, I, alternately, are they going to send the, are they going to send a Cali-class to go deal with that? I don't know who they're sending, <laughs> because but that's the I other hope it's somebody that is incredibly patient, because those two pe- those two races are fucking stupid. Right. Well, they're going to be at war, at war again, yeah. like, in yeah. five days. They're going to start blaming yeah. each other, and... Oh. It'll turn out both of them have held back supplies, and they'll be back to it. Also, uh, um, and, pour, and one, I, pour one out for the Ganges. Yeah, speaking yep. of pouring one out, yep. I did leave out because it really was not plot relevant at all, but it was a, a lovely little scene uh, where Quark comes up to Dax and Kira in uh, his bar while they are reminiscing about Bashir, and has like a genuinely sweet moment where he gives them drinks and they have a little toast and he gives them the highest possible compliment he can give. They were great customers. Yep. <laughs> Always paid and their bar tab on time. Like, yep. They're looking at him like he's crazy, but he's like, no, really. They're, these are like two, these, this is the highest compliment I can give them. I'm genuinely mourning here. Why are you being shitty to me? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. Other stuff that's funny, there's a line that made me legitimately die laughing and uh, where O'Brien says, women, that's all you think about. And Bashir gives him a look and I mentally just inserted Bashir's next line, which is, no, I think about men and lizard aliens a lot too. <laughs> Tell me that's not the line he, he, he like barely bit down on in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> So, so I kind of like enjoy just how stupid the aliens are. Like, I feel like it's it's really stupid, but it's like stupid in a plausible way. Like, I can absolutely imagine like the dumbest possible committee making this decision and being like, like you know, you know, these fuckers are straight out of Canada for Leibowitz. This fucking simpleton ass alien, like. Listen, we gotta smash it. <laughs> right. Gotta smash everyone who knows the thing. It's like it's like it's you know what this is? This is in like an epic fantasy novel when you learn that like the dark like all they killed all of the sorcerers who like worked for the Dark Lord because they knew his secret magic. And they killed all of and then like they killed all of the people who defeated the Dark Lord too. Yeah. What's funny <laughs> yeah. to yeah. What's What's fucking hilarious to me is they're like, "Hey, let's call the Federation in on this to help us do a, like put this enormous war crime to bed into our history." And then let's commit another war crime while we're doing it. I mean, I would say that this part is not a war crime. It's just a it's murder. It's just murder. <laughs> Yeah, it's just murder. I'd have to look it up. It's maybe not a war crime, but it's certainly a crime that precipitates war. I mean, I don't know. Like, if so, if 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 someone is there to like negotiate peace talks, like, and you kill that person, like, is that like is that still killing civilians? Is that still like? I don't know. No matter how you parse it, 
And yeah. it provokes, it's like, what to me, what's crazy is they're like, we can never have this happen again. So let's piss off the Federation. It's like, yes, admittedly, you didn't do it to the Ro- you didn't do it with the Romulans or the Klingons or the Cardassians. So thumbs up. You picked the Rob- the Romulans would have said, "Hey, we've got a flash drive here. We're just going to stick this in your computer. We're, we're just Control C, Control V. Yeah, sure, we're deleting it all out of your yeah. system." <laughs> I also just want to point out how bad they are at this. Oh, like yeah. their fucking sandwiches get get outplayed by. Joey O'Brien and the the hottest twink on DS9. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just yep. and 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 when the and the, the the evidence they give is the most copy and paste editing. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh no, look, see O'Brien just said that he that he hit a security thing, and then let me cut, and then let me just move them off screen. What's the going? They're dead. Yeah, they lost to. <laughs> Um, they they lost to you know a fifty like you know a, a veteran in his fifties who has like become a mechanic and and I mean this is a compliment the most fuckable twink of the Alpha Quadrant yeah I <laughs> it really makes well, uh-huh. in fairness that's why they had to resort to bioweapons. clearly these this is not an alien race that specializes in hand to hand combat yeah no I've. Why don't, why don't they just gas them? Like, literally, like, anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, also, there there's a really funny piece of set dressing that I think is unintentional, but that also, like, might explain a lot. So in Bashir and O'Brien's, like, little, like, bivouac there, there are crates with the Ferengi logos <laughs> on them. <laughs> That's very funny. So I my personal headcanon is that these these fuckers didn't even make the, these bioweapons. They bought them from the from the Ferengi. <laughs> so 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 hey, so in this case, like their scientists were just the folks who had like enough knowledge to call outside to order delivery yes. on their they put fucking, it, they put it in the easy bake war crime oven bro. and heated it up and oh my yeah. god also also like how terabad is this bioweapon really that like o'brien's on like fucking death's door and it's like Still curable by Bashir in like five minutes once they get back to the station. I mean, oh, I mean he'd already solved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, they, they'd already they'd already figured out like a way to neutralize it and shit. I I just I mean they already I mean, they already found a way to, to collect all of the bioweapon into a single <laughs> ring, and they turned it from red juice red juice to green juice. And I, so, but I, but 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 Justin, the juice inside you is supposed to be red, but not when you're Irish. <laughs> Um, it's it's that it's that nice dark uh, Guinness color. <laughs> um, but 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 like the solution for this was like putting them into like a high intensity like radiation chamber, and I feel like that's not something that like works on a so person. Do you want do you want a viable head cannon, or do you or do you want like do you want? I have two. No, I just want to, I just okay, want to bitch about it. That's all I want to do. I just, I just want well, to bitch. I have, I have a good like, answer for this that, that will satisfy you. It's a really right, shitty right. bioweapon. It's hard to destroy. Yeah. But it turns out as far as killing people goes, 
it's not very effective. That's why it took. <laughs> I mean, apparently it wasn't super contagious yeah. either. Well, it's not. Yeah. It's clearly like, not contagious, I mean, it... and it took. You know, look how long it took to kill O'Brien. It's not even aerosolized. You had to get a drop yeah. on you. He yeah. got slimed with it, <laughs> or maybe, maybe it has to be deployed in an aerosol form. But like, I they, mean, they got they got the discount bioweapons from yeah. the Ferengi. Well, what do you expect when the Ferengi sell you bioweapons? <laughs> Oh, they asked for they asked for a discount, and that's how you get the bad shit from the Ferengi. Yeah. Well, I feel like the Ferengi right. would never sell you effective bioweapons because then you can't come back and buy more. In their defense, the <laughs> yeah. the Ferengi are incredibly shitty war crime participants in war crimes because then you can't come back and be a repeat customer. <laughs> um, okay, was it just me or were the harvest can the like the harvest canisters just like those tennis ball cans? Oh, absolutely. I, yep. I swear, my... Just, like, my, filled with like, goo. My reference to Ninja Turtles, I will get the images together and put them side by side. I think it was the same prop. I think it was the TCRI ooze canisters, just with a different, like, sticker applied to the side of them. Could they, could they have been on the Paramount lot? Like, oh, 100%. At that time? Because, because, like... Shit get like you know the so okay remember in in TNG like there's Worf's fucked up chair right like his like throne chair so that appears on a whole bunch of other shit that was like filmed yeah. on the Paramount lots like uh, it's on Friends at some point apparently yeah I'm looking I at a picture of it and it really does look exactly like the canisters from <laughs> but but also it does look like tennis ball. Well, yeah, that's what that's. I'm pretty sure that's all the TCRI one, the the Ninja Turtles ones were, except they was glass instead of plastic. The one that broke, they had one that was glass, so it could break, and the rest, I'm sure, were plastic. Probably. So, is this the first time we get like super genius Bashir, like boy, like boy genius Bashir? I think so. Maybe. I mean, we also had like maybe a bit with like the aphasia virus and stuff like that, like. But yeah, this is like, this is, I think, the first like notable, like, oh my gosh, I haven't solved this complex problem in a week. What am I going to I do? I love that scene because O'Brien is so fucking over Bashir. He's just like, <laughs> shut the fuck up and hit the birds to bait. I am done with you. I just want to go home and sleep in my own bed. I am tired. And then he has the cranky remark about the rations. He's like, I'm tired of this fucking alien food. I want some goddamn Federation. Sure. I mean, lightly racist O'Brien, but also like definitely allowed someone because at the Talani for trying to kill him and B at Bashir because he just wanted to go home. But instead he nearly gets murdered because Bashir wanted to get laid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder in the course of this show, how many times O'Brien will suffer because Bashir's trying to lay pipe. (laughs) I'm guessing it will be, it will be more than one. It's not zero. It's not zero. I don't think it's double digits. Yeah. Unless there's some stuff in season seven that I'm really forgetting. I just want to throw it out there. That if you have a friend who has endangered your life more than once with their libido, 
and you're still friends with them, that better be a good goddamn friend. <laughs> that that better be a ride yeah. or die. What gets me too is that Cisco is on board with it too. He's like, yeah, why not stay there for another day? And O'Brien just looks. Well, like I said, I feel like Cisco is definitely like in on the joke at the start of this episode where he's like trying to get, he's, he's, he's enjoying O'Brien suffering a little bit at the top of this episode. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The, the the only, sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I feel like this is a fun episode and I feel like it fits into like the category. I mean, we've, we've got we've got one episode category for it, which is O'Brien Must Suffer. But it's in the second category of like episodes that are like quite stupid, but have a lot of good character stuff and are fun to watch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Like the plot is then- mediocre, but like there's some like it's a hilarious episode. I love it. Yeah, you don't watch this one for the nuanced plot. You watch it because O'Brien and Bashir are fucking great together. Yeah. Well, Jude, you also left out Bashir's, you know, heartbreaking past where he was a top medical student <laughs> and was offered a, a the chief of surgery position at, at his fiance's, or not fiance's, but girlfriend's dad's hospital yeah. in Paris. Ugh. But such a privilege to go to He had to go into frontier medicine. Yeah, he's got he's got the Jordans to insult. He can't stick around. <laughs> he'll, uh, just, he'll just go. He'll just go to the space station and dream of her feet. Yep. <laughs> because like oh. of all the things. So okay, and we're we're up to we're up. So we should actually keep a tally of kinks here. On, on this show because we definitely got ear stuff from like multiple dimensions at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have, and now we have foot stuff. I mean, that's just how Ferengi <laughs> yeah. work. Well, and we've definitely observed like full on uh, foot stuff before. Like the Ferengi are just kinky in general, uh, but <laughs> foot stuff as well. Um, I have a question. We've, this is definitely a, an, o- an O'Brien must suffer episode. Mm-hmm. But here's what I want your clarification on. All right. Is it, does O'Brien suffer because he gets a, a bioweapon or because he's forced to spend extra time with Bashir stuck on a planet when he really just wants to go both, home? Both. Both. Yeah. I mean, it's both. I, I think that. I think that there's a second subgenre that this episode belongs to, which is two and only two members of the cast get stuck on a planet and have a really bad okay. day. So here's my rebuttal to that. I disagree because I I think that O'Brien would be not one iota less miserable in this episode if he were not dying. If he did <laughs> If you, he would have the exact same experience. Like he would physically feel better, but he would like emotionally be the yes. same. If Imagine he was this not, episode like, minus O'Brien dying, and then the scene at the end. He would his lines would be functionally identical. See, see, the thing is, though, I feel like I feel like it's it wouldn't be quite the same because. O'Brien having to talk Bashir through this adds this like additional like sousant of misery, right? That like, like oh, you yeah. know, 
Because it means that it means that Miles wasn't the only one who saved them. Bashir helped. And and okay, and mm-hmm. also Jude put a pin in I took and I took engineering extension courses at Starfleet Academy. Okay. I will I will I will re, I will rebuttal your rebuttal. <laughs> All right. He's not suffering because he's dying. He's suffering because he has to get Bashir's help. But if he weren't dying, he wouldn't he wouldn't have to but talk. My Bashir point is the it. dying is not the part that makes him suffer. It's having to be around Bashir. It yeah. could it could if if it if it was just his yeah, hands were could, broken. If he had gotten dirt kicked in his eyes, he would have been equally as miserable as if he had gotten poisoned with his bioweapon. <laughs> the suffering yeah, like Bashir is his suffering in this episode, not the bioweapon. Yeah. That is my thesis. You also love the uh, the 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 dumbed down techno babble uh, making an appearance here as O'Brien has to do uh, <laughs> IT voice with Bashir. God. Okay, do you see the green yeah. cylinder? No, I don't. It's in the top right under. Okay, I'm gonna the- need you to go to the start menu. Which one's that? Okay, it's the one that says start. Are you sh- are you sure? <laughs> What I love about the techno babble in this episode is it genuinely sounds like he's telling them how to fix like an old transistor radio. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so that's like all of the points of reference. You just need you just need to clean clean well, the okay. connections. I do a want to talk bit. about that. They say clean yeah. the connections, and then he puts it in the other way. The connections are up in the air when he puts it in. The part he cleans is sticking up in the air. He doesn't put the connections down. Well, it connects to the air, dude. It has to connect to the cloud. Fuck off. <laughs> I was so irritated by that scene. I was like, just flip it over. Just flip it over. It's not that hard. Uh, so I, I do have I do have a um so I have one production note on this, which is that apparently it was em- uh, nominated for an Emmy for outstanding individual achievement in hair styling, which you know <laughs> No, that it's is... not. Please. You have to be fucking joking great. me. I am not. I'm not. Is... Oh, but it was for Bashir, right. not, right. not, not the aliens. Um... God love it. That is but amazing. I love the nonsense Star Trek gets nominated for. Yeah. Oh, but I, I did want to I did want to highlight one other thing, which is that I so I love the conversation between Miles and Julian, like, you know, like after they're stranded, be- but before we realize that, well, before like they realize that, you know, Miles is dying. Um, because I feel like it fits perfectly into the framework of like the jokes about how people, I mean, like largely cishet dudes, to be fair, will be like, oh yeah, I'm definitely single because I can get laid all the time. Um, and then actually like get laid like every other month whereas and like they're like oh I could never be married because like I like to get laid all the time meanwhile like the person who's married is there like you know getting getting it on like on the regular <laughs> mm-hmm. and I feel like this is one of those things that like Bashir also probably does not understand that like you get laid more often if you have like one or more dedicated partners <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Bashir has grasped what a relationship entails. Yeah. I think you think it means feet or lizard men. 
I don't think he's grasped that it means like, I don't know. I just don't like clearly from yeah. this thing. He's like, he, the whole conversation he has with O'Brien about how it's not fair to like your partners is, I mean, a, he's got his, he's again, up to his knee in his, you know, putting his foot in his mouth in this conversation. Uh, and B he's just, it's a very like young white man's opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I really appreciate. I mean, I will, I will, I will, that. I don't want to be that guy, but, but, but Bashir yes. is not. Well, but I, yeah. I'm not saying he is, but I'm saying it's a young white man's opinion to have this like very. I think it's just a young says yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, this is definitely like to loop back on a thing. The number of times that we will hear an engineering extension course <laughs> in the series come out from that that specific man's mouth, I cannot. But uh, like, we should we should potentially like actually count this because it is it is a lot. I want to touch on the craziest tech in this episode that is just barely mentioned, uh, the sp- which is that <laughs> the yes, spectrometer. which is that um, yes, that apparently all the cameras. On on everything, just can tell you what everything is made of. Because <laughs> Keiko can tell that can tell specifically that Miles is drinking coffee, not because it looks like coffee, not because he smells it, because he's like hmm, coffee, but because it the camera can tell that it is it ha- is made of vegetable oils and and caffeine. And I feel and like that. Like, I feel like there are many things that could be vegetable oils and caffeine too. Right, it, like, hey, he could be drinking a monster. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's synthetic oil. Miles <laughs> O'Brien, the old, like the oldest theater worker, just like it, you know, it's like, you know, it's, oh no, you know, I just, I just need a monster to get through the, you know, when I've got that double. Oh, and I, I love that. I love that. Like Keiko figures it out based off of something that's like entirely wrong. Yeah, it feels like one of those things where you like you say it offhand once, and your partner picks up on it and thinks this is a, and you know attribute this is a hard and fast yeah. rule. Yeah, this is a, this yeah. is a core. This is a core tenet of your like personality. Like, it's like like he said to himself once, like, "Man, I really gotta start stop drinking coffee after three p.m. because like it it like he, the insomnia is real, Keiko." Like he said that once, and then like. <laughs> She has translated this into no coffee after three PM ever. Yeah, but whom no, whom's amongst uh, us has not has not done that? Yeah. <laughs> my my only last bit on this is I actually genuinely do like the scene with uh, Cisco and Keiko. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, that is very yeah. Well I feel like Keiko as a enlisted man's wife uh, has feared that visit for a long time and it's it's well executed i think there's a lot of ways to do that scene that is overdraw overblown and sort of cliche and i think it's it's nicely done yeah 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 i i think it is a good example of sometimes less is yeah. more yeah well said yeah and and like her reaction her reaction is so interesting of like i would like to be left alone and i would like the video i why wouldn't anyone else verify the video <laughs> What? Like, you, come on! I know, I know it's for the episode. I know it's so yeah. we can show how Keiko cares about him. But like, 
Jatia, yeah. come on. Yeah, like some somebody somebody run like somebody. Where's where's Odo? Where's Odo going? Like, let's look at the pixels. Something doesn't I do smell love right. That Julian gave Dax his fucking diaries, and she never read them. <laughs> that is the <laughs> oh, that's that that's the realest part. <laughs> That's the realest part is somebody giving somebody else a, like a, a real, like a book that's like, this is going to let you, this is like, it, it means a lot to me. I'd want you to read this. And somebody's like, yeah, I never got around to it. Sorry. <laughs> you know, he yes. fucking curated those uh, two. My TBR, my TBR list is too long. Sorry. I'll get to him eventually. Yeah. <laughs> God, I, I just about died when she goes, I never read them. And I was just like, ah, oh, Dax, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and also like, of course, Julian would give her his diaries, right? Yeah. Oh. I, I think one of my favorite things that is like that scene, like really exemplifies is sometimes that like sometimes the crew in DS9 are just awful people, <laughs> <laughs> or just like or like awful and adorable. They're all goblins. Way. Irreasonable. Like Justin, you're telling me that like if your work friend, oh yeah, was like, hey, here's. Here's here's a fucking pile of my diaries from when I was in high school. We should really read these to get to know me better. Then you'd be like, yeah, top my list. If it was somebody as specifically fucked up as Julian is, I would absolutely want to, but that's like that's on a personal like I like watching and observing trade wrecks. Yes. (laughs) Like if it if it is Joe from Three Cubicles Down who like who like we don't even like the same video games. Absolutely Joe not. from Three Cubicles Down, somebody... where you're like, I can smell your burnt popcorn from here, Joe. I'm not reading your diaries. Yeah, in, in this case, it really depends on the person. If it is somebody of like the, like you know, if if Julia Bashir was my coworker, I'd say, oh, who broke you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and uh... Evan, we cannot reveal any spoilers about who broke Julian. <laughs> That's fine. Fantastic. I don't remember it anyway. Love it. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Yes, we have season two, episode 14, Whispers, written by Paul Robert Coyle and directed by Les Landau. We start at media rest as O'Brien and a runabout says that he has to set the record straight. Miles thinks that there's some sort of conspiracy, but he doesn't really make sense of it. So we'll start with when things started being weird two days ago. It all started after he got back from an away mission. When he gets up early in the morning, Keiko seems a base of in. Molly is being, frankly, Molly's being a kid. Yeah. Um, like, like her her behavior is just yeah. random five year old. Yeah. Like I, I see, I see, like my friends, like four year old, do exactly that all the time. Mm-hmm. Can confirm. I'm gonna put a pit in a question for later okay. then. Um, <laughs> Miles talks us about his recent away mission, where he worked with an alien species, the Paradas, who uh, were who are going to be visiting the station. As Miles gets to work, it turns out that one of the crew is receiving engineering work orders directly from Cisco. When Miles goes to talk to Cisco, he sees Keiko talking with the commander hurriedly before going before hurry uh, before running off. In the present. Miles is traveling to the uh, Paradas. He's being tailed by a, a runabout, the Mekong. Hey, we have a new river! <laughs> in the past, Julian demands that Miles come in later for a checkup, even pulling rank to tell him to come in. Uh, Cisco asks Miles about the Paradas, and Cisco informs him that all of the upper pylons are down now, and he just seems to be piling work on Miles to keep him away from the security business. 
Everyone on the station seems to be evasive. And during his checkup with Julian, Miles starts to think that he's dying because people are just being really fucking weird to him. Um, but Julian's like, no, you're clean. You're clean bill of health. As Miles tries to figure out what's going on, he finds that he's being frozen out of the security preparations for the Parada's visit. While looking at the pilots, he starts to think that sabotage might be involved in the station. Everyone's acting strange, and when he tries to get romantic around Keiko, she gives him, like, the cold shoulder in a, like, very specific way that, like, like not in a, like, thing, but it's like, who are you, sort of. Eyes open yeah. kiss. It, uh, it, it was never gonna be good. Um, he is suspicious of the meal that Keiko provides, and he avoids eating. Um, Miles tries to find any unusual activity that he that can explain what's going on in this station, with no ships coming in from the Gamma Quadrant, and all the station's logs after he returns have been encrypted. And in fact, his security access has been revoked. He hacks into the station's logs, which learns that they've been going over Miles' logs from the trip, and they had been receiving secure messages from the Paradins. Odo returns to the station from Bajor, and Miles tells him about his suspicions. Odo tells him to sit tight while he looks into it. Later, he summons Miles into his office, who during his conversation accuses Odo of turning on him. Kira and Sisko come to detain him, and Miles just, like, drops, like, a smoke bomb. Like, it, it, it's a flashbang, yeah. but it's like, it's a smoke bomb. And steals a phaser, escaping to a runabout. He escapes from the station, uh, though even DS9 uh, shoots at him as he's leaving. Miles calls an admiral, who tells him, no, just go back to the station, please stop. Miles, feeling that he can't trust anyone, uh, goes to the wormhole. He gets to the Piranha system and hides behind one of the moons. The pursuing Starfleet runabout heads to Paradis 2, where they beam to the surface. Miles beams down into generic cave set 3, where he finds a room where Sisko and Kira are meeting with the Paradins. They gesture to a door, saying his answers are behind it. Miles draws on them, and he gets shot. The door opens, revealing Bashir, who is attending to <gasps> another O'Brien. It turns out that Miles is a replicant, and the Piranhans said he was programmed as a sleeper agent, and that he is, in fact, uh, like, was supposed to assassinate somebody during the peace talks. Uh, Sisko reveals the rebels contacted him uh, while that he had been abducted. The replicant dies, telling the real Miles of his last words to tell Keiko that he loves her. What a fucking episode! Right? Miles has to <laughs> suffer even when it's... Not Miles, even when it's no, no, no. See, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it. Oh, O'Brien Dropper, the barely is suffering for him. Like, crazy, it's essentially <laughs> horrifying. Like he, like the concept that oh yeah, someone could absolutely replace me, be me, and be indistinguishable from everything else, even to itself, unless someone else from about from elsewhere was like, yeah, that's a that's a replicant. But Ryan himself, it's just in a way. He gets abducted, like experimented on, like has his bodily has his bodily autonomy violated. That's like a three out of ten for Miles. But here's the thing: O'Brien doesn't have to suffer all the time. But the idea that anything, even (laughs) O'Brien suffering, is a constant that must be fulfilled by by, some totem. existent like existing within a certain like remove of o'brien means that you are likely to suffer is very funny to me this this replicate is a sin eater for o'brien suffering yes, exactly important question did keiko take his last name 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. I mean, this is I the mean, '90s, man. That's no. I'm just saying that yeah. bodes ill oh, for true. her and yeah, Molly. Uh, well, yeah. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Molly. Molly. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I don't look forward yeah. to that episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, her 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 birth name is Ishikawa. So yeah, that's uh. But, <laughs> see, I feel I feel like you know I feel like it's the suffering that makes the replicant truly indistinguishable from Miles. That like if the replicant <laughs> were not suffering, then it wouldn't be identical. It is the suffering that makes it identical. Ironically, that's I mean that in kind of what first sets the replicant off is like everyone being kind of nice like like Keiko, you made okay, you made so my favorite like, food like, how what, dare you what makes him... yeah <laughs> with keiko it's like you why did you make the thing the, the meal that i enjoy that you don't that's not right it's, it's it's listen irish people just like when things are going like things are going too well it's just like okay I'm, I'm a little, oh, the shoe's about uh, to drop. What's going on here? Uh, like, hackles up a little. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, overall, in the things that happened in this episode, like, this is a Kafka novel, not a Dostoevsky novel, so we're at, like, a three out of yeah. ten. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting <laughs> don't, it. Yeah. Don't worry, the Dostoevsky novel will come. Yes. Oh, God, I know exactly. It's the, the one with the tooth, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah so um gosh but yeah i i do love this episode because i think the the fact that it is just like a limited point of view Mm -hmm. for this entire episode is fun um and like we're we're getting into like throughout the throughout like star trek has conditioned you to think that the protagonist is the one who like is right in the situation or like the point of view character is the person who's right. So it's like, okay, what's happening? Is he in a simulation? What's going on Mm -hmm. here? Yeah. Well, and like there's, I I think they like specifically drop like some Mm -hmm. red herrings here or there. Like when Cisco calls it into his office, like now tell me something about the problem that you wouldn't put on a report. Yeah. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Where you're like, ah, clearly they're trying to get something. Yeah. You know, he, you know, my first, my first thing was like, was Sammy Sue was like, ah, clearly it's a brain prison, and they're trying to to pull some yeah. information like out of it. You know, it's like very much leading you to think it's like that that episode where Riker gets like the the like future imperfect or whatever it is, um, where he gets like you know telepathically gives gets the like telepathic future. That's designed to get information out of him. Right. The one where he is yes, a kid. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's, this is a really interesting episode. And like, I really enjoy the way that it's like framed around like following O'Brien everywhere, too. Uh-huh. Because, because obviously, if we had any scenes that did not have O'Brien in them, it wouldn't work. Right. Because then, those scenes would be about, hey, like... Man, sure, there's weird about that replicant, huh? <laughs> the the replicant phrasing. Did, did we even have those in no. canon before no, this? No, it's, it's, it's entirely this one gamma quadrant species. Yeah. <laughs> like, they didn't, want to use, they didn't want to use Android or clone. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, is like, so when they say replicant, what are we talking? Are we talking like... It's not explained. Um, we, we never know. Like he's bio, like he was able to pass a full medical scan. That's what yeah. We're yeah. So it, it yeah. has to be some kind of a clone. 
Probably. Maybe. Good question. But yeah. um, now, see, the thing is, is maybe that's the true existential horror of this is that O'Brien has to go like the entire time thing is like, wait, but was it just a double blind? <laughs> yeah. Like they send they send the real O'Brien back and told them that he was a replicant and that I was just trapped here the whole time. And I think yeah. that I'm real. And oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. Uh, and especially as. Also, apparently, apparently the point, the choice of replicant was also just as an homage to Blade Runner, which, like, given the re- the replicant who doesn't know he's a replicant, is like that's very Blade Runner, and I enjoy it. Yeah, it, it is. It was apparently described as um, invasion of the body snatchers from the body snatchers' point of view. Yeah, it's an interesting. <laughs> it's a really interesting narrative angle to take. I like that they chose O'Brien for this, and not just because it makes O'Brien suffer. But I think he's kind of the perfect person to do it with because anyone else, nobody else in the station is positioned to kind of be everywhere Mm -hmm. the way O'Brien is. Yeah. I also feel like O'Brien is the most paranoid. But well, okay, granted, let's say of the of the stats, there's certainly more paranoid people on DS9. Well, that's another question. Like. Because again, when it, when it was still in the face of like, maybe maybe something really is happening with anything else, and I expected him to just go to Odo and be like, "All right, I need you to turn into a puddle. I need to know that it's you." <laughs> yeah. Envisioning ways that the that the episode could go, like that first meeting with Cisco, he's like, Who "Were you talking to Keiko?" And I, I was I was really I'm I'm glad they avoided the piece the possibility of of O'Brien being like is is Keiko cheating on me <laughs> yeah. with Cisco? <laughs> yes, thank God. Uh yeah. I, I do also appreciate the little little note when when um O'Brien's talking about how they read off his logs and he's like, I hope they enjoyed the sexy letters to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I love that the O'Brien's fuck. Like this this makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think it's an episode that is more successful than it probably has any business being. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you described it in abstract, it doesn't, it would sound awkward and sort yeah. of janky. It's like the, the summary was hard to write because it's like, it's just like the, the, the main plot of the episode is bad vibes. Yeah. yeah. It's like everyone's yeah. sus. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I was watching you type it and I was like, I'm fascinated how he, how Justin is going to do this. Cause this is a, this is a tough one to, to like boil down. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, there's just like, oh yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's like, you know, there's no like one thing that sets you off there. It's just, it's a conglomeration of little things. Yeah. Oh, so you, so we wanted to talk about like Molly's, Molly's reaction, which is like, they're like, hey. oh yeah. Do, do you want to give me a well, hug? No. <laughs> oh, but don't you love me? Yeah, I mean, No. Like, like, there, there's no way that they would tell her, right? Like, that's how you fuck right. up a kid. Kind of like, oh yeah, that person who looks like who, who looks acts and for all intents and purposes is your dad. That's not really your dad. That's a fake <laughs> dad. Like, no, you don't tell. They definitely to a didn't tell the kid. The kid yeah. probably. I mean, either the kid just picked up on it or didn't pick up on it and was just in a mood. <laughs> Yes. The other day, my son says to me as I'm driving him to school because he fucking has a had a fit 
and didn't want to be driven to school by the people whose turn it was to drive him to school, he turns to his best friend and says, my dad's not the sharpest uh, knife in the kitchen. <laughs> and you're like, like out of nowhere, like no context, just randomly insulting me with a mixed <laughs> metaphor. I was like, fucking thanks, man. Kids are capricious in their affection. And then like tonight he was all night. He was like, you know, tempestuous mood and dunking on me. And then as I'm leaving the room, I say goodnight. He's like, I love you. You're the best dad. And I was like, could have fooled me. <laughs> he got no risk, though. The, um, it, it also reminds me of like, you know, the the stories I get from one of my good friends who has like a four year old and a year and a half year old or so. And like the tales from the four year old is like, you know, you know, like, mommy, you're the worst person in the whole world. I love you. <laughs> yeah. No, there's look, children are goblins who have not developed the tenuous moral compass that most humans have. They are forces of nature that you are <laughs> biologically compelled to love more than you love yourself. It's a nightmare. Honestly, it's terrifying. Raising children is, is a real fucking roller coaster. Uh, You're selling it real well there, Jude. Nothing remotely shocking about a four-year-old saying, you know, no, I don't love you. And no, I won't give you a hug. That's a fucking Monday, man. Especially especially if he's been gone for a little while. Like, you're still on the shit list, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, even, even like our cats, right? Like, and I, I, do, I do not generally want to like draw parallels between my pets and like other people's children. Because, no, that's like, valid. Cats and, cats and four-year-olds, that's a pretty accurate parallel yeah but like every time we go <laughs> on vacation and come back like they're all mad at us for like 24 to 48 hours and are like and wolfie is like i don't remember who you are because i have one brain cell so so apparently um there there is a cut scene from this episode um there's apparently a whole ass scene that they cut that they filmed and then cut where O'Brien is singing in the runabout. Um, but it had to be cut because the script flubbed the name of the runabout. And he mentioned that the, that the, uh, Ganges was chasing him. Rip that scene. Uh, what was he singing? Um, it's, it's, a uh, the minstrel boy. It is a, um, on Next Generation episode, it is a plot point that he like sings this song with a former captain of his. The minstrel boy to the war has gone in the ranks of death. You will find him. His father's sword he hath girded on, and his wild heart slumbe high. I do like that, like, in, in the scene in Siska's office, we are starting to see him play more of the baseball during conversations, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. including, like, he does a little flourish, but he says, I guess I dropped the ball on that one. I'm like, uh, I see what you did there, you motherfucker. He's such a dad. <laughs> Jesus. You, you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have another fun production note on this one, too, which is that, so apparently, 
their original plot for this was wildly different. Um, it had um, O'Brien waking up to find Keiko and Molly gone, nobody recognizing him, and him like finding records that uh, Chief Miles O'Brien actually exists in Starfleet, but serves on the Enterprise D, and like figuring out all of that shit. Um, which clearly is this is like. Hey wildly different from that but they didn't get rid of that plot line because it's a voyager episode non sequitur <laughs> they just made that entire thing of into course. a voyager episode <laughs> is it still no. o'brien uh, no it's yeah. harry because there's only one person uh, in star trek is allowed to suffer as much as o'brien and it's harry kim uh listen i would watch a voyager episode if it was like yeah suddenly <laughs> o'brien shows up and no one knows God, who he that is would be so- Okay. That would be so funny if like O'Brien was randomly on board. Oh, that'd be great. We get we get Barkley and and Riker at one point, but you know, no O'Brien. I I do like going back slightly. Like they had on you know, my production note that they had to cut the scene because the Ganges had been destroyed in the last episode. That we do have another fun note of continuity here, which is that this episode really really hammers his, uh, home uh, how much O'Brien drinks coffee. Because he is chugging that shit the entire episode. Like, 3 p.m.? Nah, fuck it. No, give me, give me, you know, coffee, Jamaica blood, two, two, double strong, double sweet. Not quite as snappy as Picard's line, O'Brien, but I see you trying. Um, is interesting that you have to specify temperature of tea, but not coffee. I guess, I guess the the trend of iced coffee and uh, cold brews hadn't quite I, I hit also yet. wonder whether like Picard just likes his tea like extra hot like that the Which replicator me. will like by default give it to him at like a normal drinking temperature and he's like no I want to I want to scald off the taste buds <laughs> either that or 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 this was really ahead of its time and that's him asking for Mike's hot honey in his oh that, that would be fun <laughs> I mean, between this episode and the last, man, O'Brien must like O'Brien must make a lot of restroom trips on his shift. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are not dude's heartbeat is like a like a hummingbird. Those are not small cups of coffee. Yeah, no, those are like full submarine <laughs> mugs. Yeah, I, I I really like this episode. I I like the journal framing for it. The one thing that like always bothers me is that the fact that the replicant was such a close replica in ta- in that he like apparently apparently had like a replicated personality as well is like does not pose like a moral problem to anybody. Like nobody has a problem with replicant O'Brien dying, even though like he is functionally identical other than apparently being a sleeper agent. Quick, quick, quick! Check on that. Just, just from your summary, Justin, because I, granted, the that last scene happened so oh, yeah. fast. Did he draw first? Um, he sort of like goes. He sort of like goes for like he sort of he motions <laughs> like okay because they yeah they just like shoot him down real yeah, no, quick. He gets, and it's like, like whoa. Yeah. The parod. I I assume like it because it's a it is no it is the parodins who shoot him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, yeah. Like we don't. I don't go into the summary at all because nobody gives a fuck. Is that like the it, the government? Like the, the is it the rebels are in fact the good guys? There and that it was the government who abducted O'Brien and like made a replicant of him. And the I assume that this is like a Terminator situation where it's like. <laughs> 
they've had to deal with these replicants for like the last 10 years. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess here's the thing of like the theater of war of Paradis, where it's just a replicant all up the yeah, and, it's like, and it's like, oh, if we see a replicant, like if we know it needs a replicant and he looks the least bit shady, he is eating phases. So Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> they have the pain test. They have the pain test for was It wasn't a good test. Wasn't one hundred percent accurate, but it was the yeah, best. I want to see. I want to see uh, O'Brien like you. You want someone to go to O'Brien and be like, "All right, there's a turtle on the side absolutely. of the road." You turn... <laughs> Give him the Voight Cobb test. What do you mean there's a turtle? <laughs> Why is there a turtle? I'm in space. That that turtle that turtle needs a needs a you know vac suit. Overall, like yeah, I, I like this is this is a mild O'Brien Suffers episode. Like, I, I was, like, going through some of the ones that I was like, you know, Miles is at least, I think, the person on DS9 who is least going to spend all night thinking about like, what if what if that was the original and I'm the replicant? No, no that would, that would like, be, like, he's probably, that would be Bashir. <laughs> that would just get... Oh, no, Bashir would have, like, weekly meltdowns over yes, yes you'd have so much like anxiety. like uh, somebody who like has routine like mental crises over like the idea of like living in a simulation and like what happens after death i mean bashir is on my level of anxiety he would absolutely think about this every week um o'brien like you know head empty he'll go on to a new trauma right see i'm just i'm just laughing because now i need to figure out a way to use mild o'brien as the insult to someone and maybe that's like maybe that needs to be in a fanfic that's that's just it's just such a good thing to be like okay mild <laughs> o'brien yeah no it's it's like it's got to be in response to somebody being like like just like inordinately grumpy <laughs> over like, fix the, no, fix over like nothing of consequence fix fix the you know, hello, sweet O'Brien. Fix the fix ops, O'Brien. Fix the you know. Uh. <laughs> this this is or, or it's it's someone who's like, yeah. Here's my hot take. Um, you know, I really feel like Godfather Three wasn't that good. Okay, <laughs> yeah. my O'Brien. Okay. That that is how we're yeah. doing that in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. I there, there's one last thing that I want to call out here, which is we've got one line that's fantastic well we've got i mean the whole physical scene is impeccable like you know we've got the um we've got the the quips with like how's the sex life none of your business how's the sex life none of your business how's the sex life fuck off julian <laughs> basically <laughs> which i, I oh, it's, it's the how's your sex life i don't have a sense of humor <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and <laughs> euphoria but the the my favorite one though is it's not doctors I have a problem with it's you Julian and where they both say, and they, it, say it both. they both say it's you Julian at the exact same time um so like the fact the the way that they're able to say that in unison and the fact that like Miles is calling him Julian is I feel like a an important step forward in their friendship from you know that we've oh, yeah. you know moving forward from Armageddon game. Yeah, I feel like that we are we are officially in begrudging uh, friend mode, and I mean I I don't remember the first time that they do a cosplay adventure together. It's a while from now. Yeah, I mean, but like we we they will get forced into a few extra situations, which will be horrific, and they will trauma bond like I don't know, like terrified ducklings. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Um, is there anything else that I've got for this episode? I mean, I do like Colt Meaty is like the the reason this episode yeah. works. He is fantastic. Yeah. And like when he's trying to escape the station and he's like, Jake, you're the only one here who understands what's going like you you're not affected. What's going on? And then like Jake's like security, he's here. And like Colt Meaty's face is just like, oh fuck. <laughs> not you too. Yeah. Uh, I feel I feel like everybody like really should have been like a lot better about keeping their stories straight on this um, with this whole plot line. Also, like, man, why didn't they just shove him in the brig until they figured it out? Yeah, I didn't understand that. Why? Why are they letting him fucking wander around? Like, you know, like. It would have been totally legit for them to be like, hey, you know, we got a report that like you, you know, you might have had some sort of mental tampering or something like that. So we're just going to put you in, you know, like confined. Well, well, okay. Except here's here's the thing is that we're going to go again into some wild ass tech that apparently exists. Where DS9 can detect if there's telepathic activity (laughs) going on. So, like, I think the thing is, it's like, granted, yes, 100%, they could have just thrown him in, in the brig and been like, yo, listen, here's the thing. But, like, apparently this replicant is just that perfect that nothing, nothing, not even in the realm of telepaths can be detected the difference between him and O'Brien But I mean, proper. like, you can shove him in the brig until you figure it out, at least, and, you know, do some investigations and see if you find another O'Brien somewhere. Yeah. Sure, but he'd yeah, be real yeah. grumpy about it. So is what here's I'm the saying. thing: he'd be like, "Hey, I, tell me what's wrong." <laughs> I don't know if they have a telepath on board. But apparently, the computer can detect it, or at least Miles. Maybe Miles was just Miles, just so stressed. He's like, "Well, I'm worried about telepaths." And the computer's like, "I have no records of telepaths because I do not record <laughs> telepaths." Yeah, I mean, he's just like he's like Control F Beta Zoid. <laughs> <laughs> type, type, like looks looks like, at no. the looks at the recent passenger logs. Types in Loxana Troy. I think it would be very funny that if like you see a scene, Miles tried to search Loxana and has to like try to spell her name three times. <laughs> and that man, that man has also met <laughs> Loxana Troy before on the Enterprise D. Yeah, he knows what kind of like wrecking ball she is. He he has seen her. Uh, he has seen her aggressively pursue Captain Picard on multiple occasions. I like to think that Miles saw some stuff on the Enterprise and <laughs> thought when he came to DS9, it was going to be a little quieter. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, th- he thought like, yeah, no, this is going to be chill. It's going to be like, it's a it's a station posting. Nothing bad ever happens on stations. I'm going to be like do- spending half of my time down on Bajor. You know, it's going to be chill. Like, it'll be tough, but it'll be chill. Mm-hmm. Not that much. Universe said, bitch, you thought? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your last name? What's your last name? <laughs> oh, Brian. That's right. Yep. <laughs> Fucking get in the get hole. In the hole. <laughs> Another thing that will happen to a Brian in a future yes. episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of happened in this episode, too. 
What is the cave about a horse? It is the cave God, set. I, I do love the generic cave set. Oh, and I just watched an episode of Next Generation last night where they used the cave set for not one but two different locations. They just lit it differently and shot it from different God. angles. I swear to God, it's the same cave set for everything. And and actually, Jude, you need to watch Lower Decks because there is an episode about the cave set. No fucking way, really? Yes. Uh, it, it yes. is the funniest thing it's but yeah there there's an entire episode where they're like they all talk about different times they were on the cave set well well being in the cave set i gotta catch up on lower decks yeah if you if you get past the first like half season or so like it levels out quite a bit all right um any closing thoughts no thoughts head empty (laughs) cool oh brian we hardly knew you and then we knew that other guy who was you, but not for like a while. Um, and then he died. So uh, congrats on being the survivor. I just feel so bad for O'Brien. And now I feel increasingly like O'Brien some days. And that makes me fear for the future with O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right. My, my, my last question to y'all, at least at this point in time, do you think in that moment, the replicant was like, I'm free. That <laughs> no longer no longer needs to suffer as an O'Brien. Tell Keiko I loved her. Tell Keiko I loved her. Peace out. <laughs> for, for this for uh for the listeners, um, because this is an audio medium, Justin just flipped a double bird at the camera. <laughs> uh that's that's how i just imagine yeah, that it yeah. would go like it's like i'm no longer in the franchise that hates me and like there or that expresses his affection for me by by torturing me yep Our tracks um all right so evan do you want people to find you on the internet sure why not all right, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on most social platforms uh, as Names Equipped. Um, you can find uh, my podcast Rollout on whatever podcatchers you fo- you, you use. Uh, like I said, my brain's broken, so it's pretty much on the hiatus. But we have fucking like at like at least three weeks worth of like back to back audio if you were to be insane and listen to nothing but my podcast 24 7 uh which might drive you insane um but it's still a good podcast and even if you don't listen to it in marathon sessions it's 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 good i have been on it multiple times it has been an enjoyable experience every time And uh, if you like uh, tabletop RPGs, you can find some that I've written at uh, saftware, S-A-F-T-ware.h.im. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on. Next time, we are going to be covering episodes 15 and 16 of season two, Paradise and Shadow Play. Woof indeed. Until next time, just just keep circling. (laughs) Keep circling. Just keep circling. Just keep circling. Yeah. Just keep circling. Just keep circling. Just keep circling. Just keep circling. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. 
The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license.